Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 129. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio, we have a returning guest, CJ Klinkscales. Glad to be back. And it's great to have you back. So this episode is titled The Universe of Late Night Thoughts because related to our last conversation about insomnia, but also to an unrecorded conversation you and I had about simply being up late at night in general, I think there really is a universe of things that could be discussed. So this probably won't be the last episode of this podcast regarding the thoughts and conversations people have late at night. But I'm glad that I'm discussing this with you because it's one of the first big things that I learned about you as a person in some of our formative conversations. So I'm really curious to know if you think you can pinpoint it, where your mind tends to go if there are certain themes or areas of your life that you fixate on when you realize that you're not going to fall asleep or if you've been awake for a while. Yeah, well, when I realize that I've been awake for a while, I usually get to this point of acceptance and I accept the notion that I'm going to be up and it's going to be one of those nights. And I kind of flip the switch in my head that goes from attempting to sleep and being persistent in that notion to kind of relaxing a little more and letting the thoughts that I have come freely without this mental barrier, this mental pushback of this idea of like, oh no, I can't think about that now because I'm trying to go to sleep. This could keep me up for hours. So I kind of let those thoughts in once I get to that acceptance range. And usually the thoughts that I end up having are decently negative. Because I think that that's a lot of part of the pushback, especially when you're trying to fall asleep, is I think that a lot of what can occur is some of these subconscious thoughts that you've had throughout your day or things that you've been struggling with for the past few days, for the past few weeks. I know for myself, I have a few constant themes that are always reoccurring and happen on almost a nightly basis. And those usually have to deal with death in some way, shape, or form. And they're what I call my existential crises. And that's kind of what I have a lot of the time, like late night, which is these notions of dealing with death and life after death and potentially life before birth or whatever it may be. And of course, you know, the grandiose meaning of life and what's worth doing versus what's not worth doing, what has merit and what doesn't have merit and how much of myself am I dedicating to the aspects of my life that are furthering me as an individual, as a person that I truly want to become and not necessarily just filling a void or filling a role that society has told me that I should or should not do. Well, I'm really happy that you brought up society because we're going to come back to that. It's a point that I feel has an intimate relationship with late night thoughts and the freedom that comes with being awake for so long. And something we both share on however amateur a level, perhaps, is that we've both written poetry. And for me, I find that late at night, my mind reaches a point of being more open to certain vocabulary or lyrical phrases that I'm more comfortable with. And there have been really great nights of my life where I've written poems that I'm especially proud of the next day. And I think a number of us do things at night that we look back on and say, well, I was tired. I didn't know what I was doing. But In the case of verbal construction, especially once you practice a bit, I think it is better to be in a mental state of openness. 
And maybe everyone doesn't experience that when they stay up late into the night. But as someone who personally doesn't drink, I've often wondered if that's what people seek in alcohol is this sense of taking your barriers away and giving yourself confidence. Because in the cases of writing poetry for me, I'm alone and I've been alone for a few hours. So I have my thoughts to myself and I've been doing what I want, whether it's reading or browsing the internet. And oftentimes that free flow of consciousness leads me to a point of poetic introspection where I find a detail or a phrase even. And some poems of mine have come from phrases that I find interesting and want to elaborate on. And I'd love to hear from you because we discussed it a bit before recording what poetic experiences have been like for you. And to the audience listening, I apologize if any of this sounds melodramatic, but I don't think either of us are claiming to be expert poets, simply people who enjoy writing poetry, whether it's good or bad, for the experience that it cultivates. Yeah. My experience with poetry and late nights have forever been linked. I would say that the first time I truly started writing poetry was when I was having these late nights. And when I was having these late nights, my mind was racing or it was wandering and it was going in multiple directions and waxing and waning. And there's, as I've mentioned before, this anxiety that can be tied up in it. And for me, there was this relief in being able to put this anxiety either down on a piece of paper and then being able to look at it realistically and from a separate perspective, because you have this perspective in your mind when you're thinking, and then you have a separate perspective once you've written something down. So for me, that's part of it. And the other aspect of it is this idea of detachment from society. It's this idea of detachment from everything. For myself in particular, a lot of the late night thoughts are in the pitch black laying in my bed and my pillow, and it's almost a detachment from the body in a weird way. You're in this pitch darkness, you're not only detached from society, but you're also detached from yourself to a certain extent. And it creates this freedom. And I think that this freedom of thought is probably what you're touching on when relating it to poetic verse. And that's why I always find myself to be most inspired during my late night thoughts to write it down. And it just so happens that when it gets written down, it gets written down as poetry. I'm sure that there are many people out there that do something similar to whatever extent it may be. But the idea of capturing this original essence of freedom seems almost innate and makes a lot of sense to me. And I, maybe that's a little bit of what you experience. Maybe it's not, but that's part of how the poetry for myself feeds into the late night thought. I can definitely relate to that. And another thought that I have upon listening to your description of that is perhaps late night contemplations and poetry fit so well together because on some level, one's daily experience of waking up, having your day and gradually winding down to go to bed at night and the idea of subconscious thoughts rising up as you're about to go to bed have an intersection late at the night where, again, I'm no psychologist or expert on the brain or sleep, but if those subconscious thoughts are rising in preparation for sleep or anticipation of a daily cycle of sleep, and your conscious thoughts are winding down as your day is ending, I think the intersection of those two can often result in poetry, where you're able to bring subconscious thoughts you've had and feelings as well into conscious verbal expression. And I don't mean to make this conversation focus on poetry itself, but obviously for both of us, it has been an integral part of late night experiences. 
I was also really glad that you brought up the idea of pitch black because it caused me to reflect upon the fact that having lived a very privileged life, one privilege I think I've taken for granted is the fact that being somewhat of a night owl, when the other three members of my family had fallen asleep, my house was essentially a quiet, dark place. And I didn't have a lot of noise, be it visual light or auditory sounds, to interrupt my thoughts. And I think that for some of us, late nights are synonymous with a degree of privacy that we might not have in our day. As you said, there's a certain breakdown or detachment from society. And I think that results from a lifestyle in which you can separate from others because you have a room to yourself, or most people in your community or surrounding area when you're going to bed or in a room of your own, are asleep or are quiet. And so you have a peaceful environment in which to contemplate things. What do you think about that? I think that the peaceful environment that you're talking about makes complete sense with the way that individuals experience late night thoughts. The calm surrounding the pitch blackness does create a type of relaxation that allows you to dive a little deeper into the subconscious, diving into the thoughts that you aren't used to having or the scary thoughts or the things that really make you tick or whatever it may be. And like I said earlier, for myself, lots of times is these types of existential crises. It's the time of my day where I think about what does really matter versus what doesn't matter. What if there is a heaven or what if there is nothing? What is nothing? The brain can't comprehend that. Can the mind comprehend it? Are the brain and mind separate? I sound a little naive talking about these thoughts that I'm sure every person has had, but they're there. And by ignoring them, you're not necessarily doing it justice. But getting back to the subconscious portion that you were talking about earlier, I have this weird theory that when pushing back sleep, to a certain extent, you're pushing back the sleep, but letting the subconscious in, which as we know, dreams are this reflection of the subconscious. So my theory is you consciously push back sleep while also letting the subconscious in and in a weird way start experiencing consciously a dream. And while a dream has these vivid images that you wake up and sometimes remember, don't remember, remember three months later that you had that weird dream that happened in whatever instance, you're experiencing to a certain extent the same exact thoughts, but without the images. And that's my kind of crazy idea and or theory about late night thought is that the reason why it can be so free and loose and pure is because it's just a seeping dream that you're consciously thinking. And in our discussions of sleep and what it means to have late night experiences and thoughts, we've mentioned numerous times this detachment from society, which to verbalize more clearly for me is just that during your day you have a schedule. You have to be at work at a certain time. In the case of our college experience, we had classes and maybe meetings with organizations and other appointments where we had to be at numerous places for very precise amounts of time before moving to another place and another place throughout the day, getting meals, etc., attending sports team practices, and numerous other responsibilities throughout our day. And to me, nighttime is 
this seemingly universal aspect of human life where most of us do not have as many responsibilities at night. Of course, there are people with night shifts and exceptions to the rule that I've just set out, but I think that for those of us who don't have obligations past dinner time to set an arbitrary boundary, we really have that time to ourselves. And in the modern world where we're so often connected to other people and in our adulthood we'll be connected to numerous other people through careers or relationships, I don't think we really appreciate how rare it can be to have time to yourself. And so that's, to me, what I mean by societal detachment. Do you have a different perspective or different ways that you see societal detachment as it relates to late night experience? You know, I completely agree with everything that you just said. I have found that I've tried to conceive or create or discover what it is that is so wonderful about these late night thoughts. And I think that you just described it perfectly. And the only thing that I would add or maybe just add on to is that in the detachment from society, in the detachment from the schedule that we have, we're allowed to look at life completely inside out and look at all of the ridiculous structures and nuances that control our daily lives. And this is our notion of taking arms against a sea of troubles. In late night thinking, an individual is, to a certain extent, rebelling. They're rebelling to whichever notion of society is being projected onto them by refusing to fall asleep. And there's something that I would say is very beautiful about that. There definitely is. And while we've both agreed that there are certain societal detachments, I would be very careful to point out that I don't think there's always social detachments in late night experience or in late night thoughts. Because a number of times in my life, I've had wonderful late night conversations with a friend or several friends because we are in this somewhat liminal space where our thoughts are more free or we feel more articulate or open and there isn't that fear of judgment or criticism. What do you think about that? And have you ever had really memorable or deeply influential late night conversations as a result of this phenomena that we're trying to encapsulate? I've had a lot of those. I'm thinking back now and I can think of so many memorable late night conversations that are integral to who I am as a person and to who that other individual is as a person. There's this notion of understanding that kind of comes with the late night conversation and late night thought and late night conversation creates this connectivity between people that I think can't necessarily be described. And it's something that I know I've experienced, whether I'm having a conversation with my mom and dad or my brother or a best friend or a girlfriend or a lover or whatever it may be, that there's this separate connection that is created at these late hours when you do feel detached from society, detached from the world. That isn't necessarily explainable, but wonderful in its own way. As I said, I've had these experiences, but what about you? Would you say that this like connectivity of individuals at night is something that you've experienced? I definitely have. And as I've mentioned in a few earlier episodes of this podcast, I believe 
I don't tend to organize my social interactions in friend groups. And so I've been very lucky when I've had a group of people to talk to late at night, because for me, those are exceptional situations where numerous voices, opinions, and perspectives can all collide and interact with one another, which is not to say that I don't enjoy a pair of individuals talking. And I've had great one-on-one conversations, again, often with people that I'm incredibly close to and have a profound relationship where late nights only allow that to blossom further. But looking at my college experience specifically, I've really enjoyed staying late at a party after things have wound down and most people have left and maybe I've stayed to clean up or I'm sticking around for other reasons and people just start talking. And it's really great to see certain people that I know well or thought that I knew well open up in new ways and express themselves with nuance that may not surprise me, but that I hadn't necessarily heard before. And I think you do see different sides of people at that time of day that I always love. Some of my favorite experiences, I would say, have been late night walks with other people because you get to explore parts of your world. And there's something so humanizing in walking with someone else. And I recognize that not everyone in the world can walk, but perhaps I'm less focused on the physical act of walking and more the somewhat existential experience of navigating an environment with someone else that is just relaxing to me in the same way that having a conversation can be relaxing. And so I think the two blend really well together. And in the same way that you mentioned being detached from the world when you're up late at night, being mentally detached from a world that you're physically exploring is a really, really surreal phenomenon. And I'd throw it back to you and ask, have you ever had really memorable late night walks, either alone or with other people that have changed your life or made you think or in general just been a really positive experience? Yes, my two best friends and I in high school would always go walking late at night. It was what we did and we would all hang out during the day, do whatever it was. And then at night we would go out and sneak onto this golf course and we would just walk for hours on end talking about life and all of its intricacies and what we agreed on and what we disagreed on. And there's that clear connectivity and In doing that, I fell in love with nature at nighttime. A lot of it is because of the connectivity that I associate with my surroundings and the people that I was with, you know, with my two best friends, two of the people that I love more than anyone else in my entire life and have shared these wonderful experiences with and these wonderful conversations with. And in particular, I found this like extreme comfort in the stars and in space. And a little anecdote about myself is I have a horrible, horrible, horrible fear of space to the extent that the world were going to end and the only way to get away was to get in a spaceship and go up into space and maybe survive. I would just stay here on Earth. But for whatever reason, I find so much comfort in what represents every existential crisis I've ever had. But I think that a lot of that is associated with these late night conversations, with these late night thoughts, with these late night connectivities And those late night aspects have become a part of my daily life and a part of my routine that I always try to bring in whenever I'm feeling potentially down or a particular type of way. It's a way of comforting and grounding myself. 
And with that mention of being grounded and trying to find some form of stability, we've talked a lot about the beautiful freedom from structure that late night experiences can allow. But I actually have some really interesting memories, again, going back to our college days in which I was in late night seminars that met from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And I've often wondered if I enjoyed those classes more because they were held at night. And in this specific case, I'm thinking of an anthropology class that was very Socratic and we would discuss the readings and various ideas that students had. And looking back, I really do think it couldn't have been a class that was held earlier in the day because some people might not have felt as mentally free. Although, of course, combining mental freedom with the classroom can be counterintuitive for some people. But did you have any experiences, maybe looking specifically at college or high school days, of really enjoying academic aspects when they took place late at night? Well, unfortunately, back in college, I never took a late night seminar. Though it was something that I wanted to do, but as an athlete, it didn't necessarily fit into my schedule, unfortunately. So I can't say that I've had the same exact experience as you have. Though I have always recognized and said that my best work is done between the hours of 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. And further, of that best work, the best work that I've done are usually when writing papers, not necessarily studying for a test the next day or whatever it may be. But when it comes to writing for some reason, that four hour late night slot has always been that time period where I feel this intense amount of flow of just 100% pure interest combined with this 100% investment. And I'm just so engaged with what I'm doing that it feels like I'm falling in love with the work that I'm doing. What it really is, is I'm just really enjoying the academic portion of my life that I'm putting this effort into. And that sounds a little bit ridiculous because when you're in college, that's your purpose. That's the reason why you're attending college is you're putting in this time and effort and work to obtain something like that. And I guess to a certain extent, it's nice to know that feeling is there, but it's that feeling of just pure and utter joy. And I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation, which for those who are listening is being recorded around 940 at night and hopefully lent to our ability to discuss the topic itself. But I'd love to know, CJ, before we go, what you want the audience to think about after listening to this conversation. I think that the take-home idea or questions that I would have for those listening are, when do you feel like you have that flow feeling maybe that I'm talking about? Or when do you believe you are the most detached from society, the most detached from the world? This idea that Kip and I have been talking about, about the like late night connectivity, especially with other people, with other individuals, is that something that you've experienced? And if so, to what extent? Is there a theme there? I know for myself that this idea of love to a certain extent kind of strings together and connects the dots between all of these late night connected moments that I've had with so many individuals in my life. And is that something that you would agree with? Is that something that you wouldn't agree with? When exactly is it that you maybe are experiencing these feelings or sensations that we've been talking about? I think that, you know, everyone experiences the world differently. So maybe we've hit the the nail on the head or maybe you and I are just, you know, way off in left field, Kip. It's quite possible I have those thoughts all the time. I'd be really curious to know from listeners who are maybe researchers or professional psychologists, if you've done studies on this state of 
mental flow and maybe even for psychological students still in college or graduate school if you're interested in this topic or could provide any insight into what cj and i have discussed i would also advise any listeners who think that relationships with those around them might be struggling to consider having more late night interactions because it really can offer wonderful insight into another person but also as we've tried to express into yourself and the way that you think. And I believe that you do reach a wonderful state of contemplation or understanding of larger principles or even very minute principles when you spend that time late at night. And even for people who currently feel very close to others, I'm sure that a number of us can attest to the fact that you may have gotten close to those people because of late night conversations or interactions of any sort and could benefit from further late night emotional and mental excursions with one another because it really is a beautiful time in one's day, in one's life that I'm glad you and I got to discuss. And so I appreciate your willingness to come on and discuss it with me. Of course, anytime. But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we'd like to be among many. So if you have any comments, feedback, questions, or opinions of any kind, we would really love to connect with you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, where if you like our page, you'll receive weekly updates when we post new episodes. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to and reviewing the show, as well as sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.